In the Park Festival is back in Newcastle, and you could be there watching headliner Rag and Bone Man. We have two pairs of tickets to give away to see Rag and Bone Man on Sunday the 5th of May. He'll be joined by Newcastle-born singer-songwriter and brother to Sam, the hugely talented Liam Fender. To be in with a chance of winning two tickets, just answer the following question. What is the real first name of Rag and Bone Man? Is it Reginald, Rory or Colin? To enter, download the free Durham On Air app for your smartphone or tablet, click on Win, and you could be in Newcastle watching Rag and Bone Man on the 5th of May. Entries close at 11pm on May the 2nd. For full terms and conditions, visit durhamonair.com. In the Loop, a podcast from the heart of Durham. Welcome to In the Loop, the Durham podcast, episode number three. I'm Emma Hignett. It's fab to be back just before Christmas. Um, in this podcast, we're talking about volunteering, about buying local and riding the storm a little bit that has been the pandemic, especially if your business is hospitality. But before we go any further, a huge thank you to City of Durham Parish Council for supporting our podcast, which is created in association with Totally Locally Durham. If you haven't discovered Totally Locally Durham, then please do. Um, it's the movement championing the independence that make Durham City completely different from any other city. So today in the City Loop, we're discovering how one woman is working to raise the profile of the area's micro-businesses. Um, in the independent loop, we're sipping coffee and finding the secrets behind one of Durham's top-rated cafes. And in the student loop, we are talking volunteering. But before we get started, this is a new podcast. Uh, we'd love to know what you think and what you want to hear about. You can email admin at totallylocallydurham.co.uk to get in touch. And please do. We'd love to hear from you. And please help us spread the word about In The Loop. Tell your friends to listen in. Please give us a like and subscribe to make sure that you never miss an episode. Right, we're going to kick off today with The Student Loop. Let's put them up front. And Durham University Volunteering and Outreach. A chance to hear about both students and staff volunteering within our community. The Student Loop. So this is... This is... But this is quite exciting because I've actually got three different people on the interview with me, which on Zoom is going to be a bit of a challenge. But hey, why not? So um, and it, it all started because Durham University Volunteering and Outreach has created an online platform which gives the students and staff more opportunity to engage with volunteering opportunities. And also because it's been publicised, it gives people who could use volunteers more of an opportunity to know where to go to find volunteers. So I'm... I'm Going to go first for Katie. Katie Binks is one of the three people with us, volunteering and community partnership senior manager. Um, I imagine volunteering. I mean, Durham University students have and staff have quite a reputation for supporting the local community. So this isn't something new. It's just something enhanced. Yeah, absolutely. So student volunteering has been formalised for the past 30 years and even sort of staff volunteering at the university has been, it's, it's not new, it's something we've been doing for a really long time, it's something that our staff have always engaged with, but the purpose of the new platform is to try and make volunteering more accessible to all students and all staff, 
to make it easier for people to get involved and then to also spread that word out to the wider community that we are here and you can come and knock on our door and ask us to help in a volunteering capacity. So I say I have an organisation I could really um, help do with some help and I think actually I'm going to turn to the university. Where do I go? What's the, the website? So if you were interested as an organisation and wanted to know more about how you might reach out to Durham University or find out about what opportunities are on offer to work with us, you can find out more by going to www.duvolunteering.webspace.durham.ac.uk. But if you Google volunteering at Durham University, hopefully you'll reach the same place too. And through that website, you'll be able to find out a lot more information about what we offer, how to get involved, what projects we already do. You can put yourself forward as a proposed project. So you can reach out and say, you know, this is my organisation and we'd like to work with you. And what we would do as a staff team is we would get in touch with you. We'd probably have a meeting. We'd find out a bit more about your organisation. We'd make sure that it was ethical and in line with, uh, with policies, risk assessed, insured, all the rest of it. And then we would work with you to promote it to our staff and students and um, go about getting some marvellous volunteers at whatever organisation you work with. I'm going to talk now to Niha Vassist, who's um, a student at Durham University and president of Durham University Student Volunteering and Outreach, which uh, gets abbreviated to DUSVO. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. So from a student point of view, um, is volunteering a big part of your time there in Durham, if you can? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it was one of the easiest to get involved in because the process um, is quite simplified in terms of, depends on which projects that you want to get involved with. So if it's education, uh, you would have to go through DBS checks and the staff are always there in the office to help us out. And for every project, the project leaders are also trained as to how the induction process is for students. And um, th there is college volunteering as well as the university-wide volunteering. So if students want to volunteer with their friends from college, they could do that. If not, they could uh, meet new people from different colleges, different years, um, you know, go outside of Durham if there's a project that travels to another place. So I would say volunteering is definitely a major part. And it's also because it's quite accessible. It's nothing that you would do out of your time. It's that you, know, you give it, uh, you know, when you have free time outside of your course and you want to meet new people, you want to make a difference. Uh, volunteering is there for you. And say, you know, if you had aspirations career-wise and volunteering could benefit that, are there opportunities like that for students as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I attended this um, career event. Uh, I think it was also uh, promoted by DASO. It was with the careers department uh, at university. And it was about the public sector and, you know, what you could do with uh, volunteering and how volunteering at university adds to your CV and to your application and how you could demonstrate the skills that would be required for the public sector. And uh, it, it really opened my eyes. And I think a lot of us aren't aware of it because you would see the conventional pathways. But once you get involved in one change, you realize how much of you know, the skills that you develop and it's applicable to every career. It's quite uh, broad in that sense, yeah. And do the students, are they generally keen or are you having to sort of you know, nudge a few people to get involved? Are students generally kind of like, actually, I want to make a difference? Yeah, uh, well, I, I've been in this roles from, um, you know, 2021 to 2022, but I've been volunteering since my first year. 
And uh, from my experience and those who I know volunteer, I feel that we are quite interested. It was a bit difficult during COVID because even if someone was interested, there were a few projects uh, which couldn't uh, function because of you know the lockdown and uh, the rules, the restrictions that were in place. But I would say, uh, you know, people are definitely interested. The number of volunteers that we get, I think we had an enormous, uh, uh, a massive sign up for the volunteer platform, the new volunteer platform. And that definitely shows how many students are willing to try something new, whether they're third year, second years or even treasures. Yeah, yeah I think there's at least sort of 1500 or like 1200, 1500 on the platform now. And Nihil, wouldn't you agree? I think there's quite a few projects as well that are sort of almost oversubscribed in terms of volunteers there's so much interest like especially mm-hmm. long-standing projects like cats um which is a youth work project that we do um often has to sort of interview volunteers to narrow down um the team from a really big cohort of interested people so yeah, let me introduce um, let me introduce that voice because that is Naomi Green who's the sorry. staff volunteer that's all right staff volunteering <laughs> administrator so you're sort of there at the at the, at the helm sort of working with both the staff and students who want to volunteer and also the projects and sort of tying them all together? Um, I'm not really. Um, I work in staff volunteering, um, but I was really recently a Durham student and I was very involved in volunteering for my whole time at university. So I sometimes can't help myself dabbling a bit in student volunteering or in the projects. Um, Kat's the one I just mentioned. I did that for my whole time at university and I really love it. So just little things like they're running a training session for it next weekend um, and they need some help um, organizing that training. So I'm gonna go and do it. Um, Yeah, I still kind of like have my fingers in a few pies um, sometimes just because I'm really passionate about it. And I really love um, the volunteering scheme that we have here. So you obviously benefited from it. A hundred percent, yeah. I think that, the role I'm in now um, and the role I'll be moving on to next year, um, working in sustainability, all of those things have been informed by my experiences volunteering, um, definitely. Katie, you were going to add something there. Uh, yeah, I was going to say Naomi was so um, inspired through volunteering, let's say, that she even set up her own charity to, uh, to continue her volunteering outside of Durham University. You want to tell us a bit about that? Um, sure. Uh, yeah, so uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, during lockdown, I set up a project that's called Learning by Heart. Um, it's primarily a tutoring project. So we have a group of volunteer tutors that provide pay-as-you-feel tutoring to anybody that can benefit from it in the UK. Um, and all of the money that we raise, we split between two educational charities. So CAMFED, which is a female education charity in sub-Saharan Africa, and Education Cannot Wait, who work um, to promote education during protracted crises. So stuff like rebuilding schools after earthquakes, that kind of thing. But your current job is also is liaising with the staff. So obviously, you know, the university must employ probably thousands of people, but they also encourage them to use some of their work time in a volunteering capacity. Yeah, we have um, an employer supported volunteering scheme um, that gives every Durham University full time staff member 35 hours of paid volunteering time per year, um, which they can complete within their working hours. And what kind of things are the staff involved with? Oh, so much. Um, We have. So I would categorize it in three different ways. So there are team challenges, which is where a department will do something together. And that tends to be usually it will be quite a physical challenge, but they do vary. So we have things like speech cleans, litter picks, food bank sorting, um, sort of one off challenges. 
And then there'll be open challenges, um, which are usually when a charity puts in a request for something specific. Like at the moment, we've got a tree planting project with Weir Rivers Trust, for example, that staff can sign up for. So it's a group um, enterprise, but anybody from any department can take part. And then the third category would be individual volunteering. So staff putting in hours as school governors, tutoring, um, working with animal rescue charities, a whole range um, of individual opportunities that either we advertise through our partners or staff find on their own um, and bring forward to us. And then we help them to register that partner and log their hours and so on. Katie, um, I think Durham, if I'm right, Durham University has quite a reputation that sort of the figures that they've stacked up in volunteering hours over the recent years is quite impressive, isn't it? Yeah, so pre-COVID, we would have between 2,500 and 3,000 volunteers a year. And uh, the last count that we had of volunteer hours was just under 40,000 volunteer hours in a year as well. So we're really, really looking forward to getting all of our projects back up and running again, and all of our partners healthy again, so that we can get back to those sort of level of hours um, of, of student and staff involvement in the community. And, and it has obviously been impacted by COVID. Oh, absolutely. Many of our projects were face-to-face. And what's been wonderful is that we've been able to adapt. And through adapting and going online, we've had a further reach. We've been able to send students virtually to classrooms up in Middleton and Teesdale and at the far ends of Weirdale. And we've been able to help people much more remotely. And going forward, we're not going to lose that. We're doing the hybrid approach of doing both face-to-face where we can and doing online and virtual so that we are continuing that further reach that we developed during lockdown. But there has been a huge impact on the partners that we work with and the organisations that we work with. A lot of the same staff members aren't there. A lot of the organisations have had to adapt themselves. And there's an element of trying to find our feet again and to work with organisations. And we slowly are, we're very, very slowly getting back to to what we've had previously, which is wonderful. And Neha, from a student's point of view, how important is it to engage with and volunteer with the community in Durham, uh, the city and also the wider county? It's a wonderful change. Uh, you know, we don't really get that kind of exposure if we're, you know, working in societies or in college clubs. So I think it's important because we spend so much of our time in Durham. Uh, it's also uh, for us to explore, meet people, meet locals, uh, you know, uh, interact with them and find out more about them as well. Uh, it's one thing to walk around the city, but also move out outside and get that difference in you know the landscape and the environment as well so um i think a lot of people enjoy that because uh, if it was dog walking people would like to go on that bus trip and actually meet the rescue animals so uh it's something that they look forward to in their week so definitely yeah and uh, Naomi, I'll, I'll finish with you i mean it's obviously it's changed your your life it's impacted your career it's it's impacted your decisions going forward do you think other, other students will take what they experience while at Durham University and use it sort of whether they stay in Durham or whether they go further afield? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think a lot of the projects that people are involved with have directly transferable skills. 
Um, I mean, little things that I picked up on when I was part of the CATS project, for example, which stands for Children Achieving Through Student Support. Um, it's a youth work project. Um, we had some training from a charity called Frontline, which is a social work charity in things like difficult child behaviour and working with children in the care system. And Frontline has, it's a Times 100 top employer and it has a really reputable social work grad scheme, which I know that a lot of CATS volunteers go on to apply for and get onto. Um, so that's just one example. Um, but I imagine there are a lot of other projects that benefit volunteers in similar ways, you know, volunteers that have done tutoring and decide that teaching might be their calling um, or volunteers that have workloads with animals and decide to make that a bigger part of their, their life after they leave university. For example, Katie has something to add, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> thanks, Naomi. I would I would add that through volunteering, students and staff can can get to understand what their passions are. They can sample lots of different experiences and then start to develop an understanding of where they thrive and what their skills are and where their interests are, and actually also what they don't really enjoy as well. Yeah. Which which helps guide them for when, for when they finish university. It'll give them a clearer direction of where they want to be because they have a greater understanding of where their skills are and what their passions are as well. I know this is this is obviously an, an audio um, uh, recording. It's a podcast. But just looking at the three of your faces, the nodding going on and the, the passion that you obviously have for volunteering is, is really evident. Do you have aspirations? Maybe Katie you wouldn't want to answer this last question. Do you have aspirations of where um, volunteering within the university students and staff can go? I suppose we do. It, um, at the moment, we've, I've said we have up to 3,000 people in a good year registering and recording their volunteering hours. We know that there's more than that because we know that there's pockets of volunteering happening all the time at the university that isn't necessarily registered and recorded. We would love to be in a position where all of our societies are doing a little bit of community engagement, where some of our, more of our departments are doing a little bit more in community engagement. And that regardless of whether you are staff or student or society or club, that if you're out there doing volunteering and outreach, that you have the same level of support as what anybody else would have to enable you to do it and have a wonderful experience. And that's what we want to create at Durham University. We want everyone to have the opportunity and for as many people to take advantage of it as possible and we want them to have that same fantastic experience the other side of it where i want to see the the um, volunteer to develop into is you mentioned earlier of, is this something that students are interested in volunteering was created by the students for the students it was a student organization it got bigger it pulled in staff support to, to continue it up and keep the institutional memory of what has happened in the past. And the projects have been created by students with student project leaders. Some of our projects have developed because organisations have got in touch with us and said, this would be great. Some of our projects have developed because students have had a passion about it and they've developed it. What we would love to have more of is, is that direction from the community of this is what we need and this is how you can help and so that our efforts really are making the, the biggest impact that we possibly can in the in the county in the community because it's directed as much as possible by the key players in the community and the organizations who have their fingers on the pulse and they know 
what needs to be done to, to make, a, make a difference, to make an impact. That was quite complex. Three people um on on zoom you know what it's like we all know what it's like anyway thank you to katie binks to naomi green and nihav assist and if you want to access the online platforms we mentioned in the interview or the website the easiest thing to do is to go to the show notes for this show for this podcast and you'll find i've put all the relevant links there there's also a link to naomi's charity learning by heart As always, we say that if there are any students who'd like to promote something they're involved in in the city of Durham, we'd like to help you promote it right here on the podcast. We would love to hear from you. So just email admin at totallylocallydurham.co.uk and we can take it from there. Now, let's investigate the city loop and find out more about how one woman is fighting the independence corner, helping our small businesses grow and increase their reach and reminding all of us of the importance of looking for supplies from small independents on our doorstep. So that's whether we're buying for ourselves or buying for our own business. She is the lady behind, wait for this, she's the lady who runs the company Tea Enthusiasts. She runs Discovering Durham Community Interest Company and is chair of Durham Bid. She is really busy. And as a result of that, you'll hear that she was working while I was interviewing her, while we were chatting. This is Lisa Johnson. The City Loop. This is quite funny because we are in the middle of the shop um, in Discovering Durham with Lisa Johnson, who um, I think I found you because of your passion for everything local. Yes. Locally supplied, but then also getting local businesses to shop local. Yes. So for me, um, like more than 98% of businesses are small and micro businesses. So you're looking at uh, businesses that have only got one or two employees. You know, they've got a turnover of, of kind of less than a half a million pounds. But these are the businesses that drive our local economy. And these are the businesses that create local really good quality jobs. And they're artisans in their field. So when I was looking at how I could help locally and with the local economy taking local producers and making their products more available to the people of county durham and tourists and you know let's spread durham produce globally so yeah that was kind of the whole ethos behind discovering durham and so discovering durham is the shop which is now in prince bishops but you've sort of gone bigger than that yeah it's not just a shop so we're a community interest company so all of the when someone comes into the shop and they walk around and they pick up artisan cheese and, and loose leaf tea and freshly ground coffee, all of the profits from that sale then go back into supporting the small businesses in this community. So there's various different ways that we've spent that money. We did um, a delegation down to the fine food show north. Wow. So individually that costs business at least sort of a grand and a half to set up at a show like that. But doing it collectively, we can represent County Durham and the flavours of County Durham and do it in a way that's really affordable and accessible for a micro business. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also run trading training courses on things like how to sell on Amazon and how to um, set up a Facebook shop and how to create designs in Canva to make your Instagram feed look better, all sorts of different courses, so yeah. And then you also ran an event which was sort of Meet the Maker, that was targeting things like B&Bs and... Yeah, 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 so we had a 
hyper-local trade show is how I'm describing it. So in Durham Town Hall, kindly sponsored by Durham Business, they paid for the, the hall rental. But we were able to put on a show of just under 30 different producers and we invited local businesses from across the region and wider. You know, we had people coming from Annick and Hexham and 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 Gateshead. So it's sort of northeast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Businesses from all County over Durham. the northeast came to see what the produce of County Durham was. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, well, I know that everyone who set up at that show got new connections, got new wholesale orders. So their products are now on the shelves in more shops across the entire region, which is brilliant. So. It's kind of where do you go from here? You've, do you feel you started small and we just pick it? You're just picking up. So it's difficult. We have the main problem that we have is we don't get any external funding. So the the money that we raise through the shop is all we have to spend. We do get some sponsorship through Prince Bishop's Place. Richard here at Prince Bishop's has supported us with um, with the premises here. We don't we don't pay full rent here, which is amazing of him to do that to support local businesses that way. So our limitations are the money that we can raise through here and also the amount of time, you know, as individuals we have. Yeah, understandable. <laughs> yeah, I have another business and, and three children. And so, yeah, it's, it, I think that, that's the crux. We're always looking for volunteers to come and help if, if, you wanna, if you've got some uh, business skills and you want to share those with the local producers of County Durham, you know, drop me a line because that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> and, and going forward, so it's more of the same or it's just making that message louder or travel further and multiply it more? So it's about growing the collective voice. So I think we've found our collective voice now. And right. So through COVID, there was a little bit of a change attack and change of direction. Still staying true to our core values of promoting local business and, and growing strength in local producers. But trying to then take the voice that we've created and make it louder and make it spread further. So going into kind of local radio and things like this and, and Go on, we'll pause and let this person we'll yeah. cl- pause and let this person be served. <laughs> well, especially with such a festive face mask on. <laughs> I like that. Anyway, so you were talking about basically uh, uh, amplifying yes the voice and ra- radio is something that you've managed so, to yeah so I've, I've um if ever i get asked to do sort of interviews and things like that that's great i've also now i have a position on the business improvement district board and through that i'm trying to amplify the the voice of, of the smaller micro business and and the people who are not necessarily in Durham all of the time so the people who come from markets and who come for events and the, the Christmas market and things like that making sure that, that they're represented as well as you know businesses like ourselves who do have a shop in the city centre and do you feel that you are one voice shouting out on your own at times or so it's sometimes I feel like I'm a translator if that makes sense so sometimes there's a lot of business services out there who offer services to small businesses and micro producers and they put out a service and they're like oh but nobody wanted the service and and sometimes i have to look at the offer and just change some of the wording a little bit so the small businesses understand what they're offering and so the people doing the offering understand what small businesses actually need yeah i see what you mean when you're the translator you're sort of 
yeah. it's like find the common ground between the two. Yeah, because I do business support and I'm a, I'm a producer myself, I can see both sides of the story. So it helps me to sort of bring the support networks together with the producers to try and make sure that they're, they're, they are working towards the same goals and that, you know, there's no wasting anybody's time or resources. So, yeah. And I think probably when you're working with small businesses, which are one or two people... They don't have spare time. They haven't got somebody they can go, can you just go and deal with that for a couple of days? Yeah. And neither do they have the money to spend on it, probably. No, I mean, if they're, if they're looking to, to buy in sort of training, or even if it's free training, they have to be able to look at the offer and immediately see how that's going to be relevant to their business and help improve their bottom line of cash flow. Um, so yeah, it's it's about making sure that that if they spend their hard-earned time on a product, they can convert that quite easily into um, a return on investment quite quickly. Bron, you carry on back to the cash tip. <laughs> so one last question. Yes. For anybody who is at home either starting up in the new year a, a micro business or has a micro business and is kind of going hang on, I could benefit from either the training and sport and, and, and this person's energy and ideas and experience. Or, do you know what? I'd have a product and I'd love to pitch it to Discover Durham. What do they do? Well, they can get in contact with us. We have a website and we're all over the social media. So if you... There's a lot of people who started producing during lockdown yeah. and set up their own businesses during lockdown. If you have a product that's ready for retail sale, approach us. If you've got a product and you're not sure if it's ready for retail sale, still get in contact because it might be that we can help get you ready for that initial um, stage. I think there's a lot of people who are makers at home and they'd like to have um, retail sales, but they don't know how to do that jump. And sometimes it's very simple things. I've got more than 20 years worth of self-employed experience. So come and take advantage of some of our expertise and we'll get you there if that's where you want to go. Huge thank you to Lisa for fitting us in. If you think... Lisa can help you with your business. Um, then see the show links on our show page. She mentioned that she's all over social media. Find her or alternatively pop in to Discover Durham and speak to her. You'll find Discover Durham in Prince Bishop's Place in the heart of Durham. Thank you for listening to In The Loop, the Durham podcast with me, Emma Hignett. Still to come in this episode, enjoying a latte at one of Durham's highest rated cafes, um, actually, there's a lot of coffee in the rest of this episode, to be honest with you. And Alice explores with coffee. Or at least she plans to explore. It all got a bit busy. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell your friends all about it. Tell your family, tell anyone. You know, just publicise it for us. Um, and please like and subscribe so you make sure you get every episode. Don't miss one. If there's something we should be talking about, then please let us know. Um, you can email admin at totallylocallydurham.co.uk or comment on the Totally Locally Durham Facebook page as well. And while we're here, thank you to the City of Durham Parish Council for supporting us and for supporting this podcast. But now it is the independent loop. Um, my husband is the type who checks TripAdvisor before he walks in the door of any hospitality venue. It's quite annoying, I'll be honest with you, but... Quite often, it does point you in the right direction. I know. 
Um, and there's another reason why he would be joining me in Cathedral, because he likes places where his dog can go with him. Anyway, it's up there on TripAdvisor. If it's not at the top today, it's certainly near the top today. Um, and what does it do to get it so right? Um, I went to meet one of the people behind Cathedral, the Independent Loop. It is wonderful to sit here with Mark Goff. I should tell you, Mark and I are old, old, old friends. Um, and we found ourselves, we bumped into one another in Durham because you now yes. run Cathedral. Um, I have to, I, I, I'm sitting here in Cathedral thinking, do you know what, I could bring my husband here, you welcome dogs, he loves anywhere that he can bring his yep. dog to. Yep. I could bring my parents here, my mum would love this place. Um, it, it is something for everyone, isn't it? What was the idea behind Cathedral? And I know it wasn't you on your own. No, no, thanks. Um, well, welcome, as you say, Emma. Um, Pamela, my partner, and in fairness, it's, it's Pamela's business. Uh, Pamela and I set this up uh, nearly six years ago now. And it came about, I, it's, the genesis is quite strange because I was running charities down in the south of England, coming home at the weekends. Pamela was uh, teaching all over the northeast as a supply teacher, and catering was one of the areas that she specialised in. And I was fed up with the journey, she was fed up with the bureaucracy of teaching. But when I came back at the weekends, what we'd do is on Saturday morning we'd jump in the car and go off and drive all over the northeast, and we'd stop and we'd have coffees and something to eat. And we used to sit there, um, I, I suppose critically analysing everything and sort of saying, well, this is marvellous, I love this, and this food is fabulous. But then why have they served it with margarine? That's, they've let themselves down there. And there was no plan behind that. It was just us being conversationally sort of discussing places. And then we, Pamela got the opportunity to open up here. And realistically, we thought, well, we don't know how to do it, but we know how not to do it from all those visits we've made to those places where we thought things weren't quite right. So that really was the sort of driving force behind what it is. Plus, I've got to be honest and say, a complete lack of money. <laughs> and, uh, and as we're sitting here, the table that you and I are sitting at now, Emma came from my sister-in-law's uh, garage. Uh, the table to the left came out of a skip down in Reading where I was working. But that almost is what... Well, not almost, but it is part of the charm. So when you look around, you know, the tables are different, the sofas are different, and I'm like, it's the kind of style that people would pay thousands to a consultant to get. Yes, um, <laughs> And it, in fairness, <laughs> it's, I'm laughing because um, what you see here is it's Pamela and I, but in fairness, I suggest ideas that I think are absolutely superb, and Pamela quite rightly rejects them, and then we <laughs> do what she thought of in the first place, and that's why it looks the way it does. Um, once in a while I can sneak something through. The plants are mine. I'm very much the plants. I can remember as a child... Uh, there used to be a, uh, a cafe on the road to Filey, between Moulton and Filey, that had converted an old greenhouse. And in the cafe there was a, a raised indoor flower bed that they always grew tomatoes in. And that lingers with me, and I'm, we're talking about nearly 55 years ago that I first saw that. And so that's part of the inspiration for the whole plants in the place. Which And green plants make you relax more. There's, you know, It's proven. <laughs> it, 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 but it, it makes the place feel that you can sort of hide in a corner. Um, it feels homely. You're right, it feels homely. Yeah. And it, it's part of it, isn't it? Yes. 
Yes, yes. And uh, in fact, the table that we're at at the moment is sort of um, curtained by a, a wall of umbrella plants, which we've got to be careful of because if somebody comes in and sits down and we don't realise, we can sort of miss that they've sat down here. I do have to ask about, is it avocado plants? Yes. Yeah. Well, I, uh, as a child, my grandfather, my grandfather um, grew orchids and uh, it all, all my love of plants tracks back to him. And that whole thing of growing something and we, we produce a smoothie and we do a lot of takeouts of those in the summer and they come, sadly, with a single-use plastic cup with a dome on the top of it. And I looked at them and I realised that if you took the dome off, inverted it, filled the cup with water, they make absolutely perfect uh, propagation units for avocado stones. So we've just, and we, we do an awful lot of avocados on toast and all the other dishes. And so we keep the stones and we basically give them to students um, and indeed anybody that expresses an interest so that they can go home and enjoy the, the, the pure joy of growing something. And avocados are very forgiving. I've got some bonsai ones and various others and they're dotted around the tables. And it's... I've got a lot of people that sort of send me regular reports saying my avocado is now this high or whatever. And do they produce fruit or not? Uh, not in this climate? Well, years ago, as a child, we had one in a, a lean-to Victorian um, greenhouse and the trunk was about eight inches across. We had to keep slicing the top off to stop it going through the, the top of the greenhouse. It never showed any sign of... <laughs> flowering, fruiting or anything. But funnily enough, about three weeks ago, somebody did say to me that you've got to have two avocado plants together. Now, whether this is through, you know, micro connections in the roots or whatever, I know not. But they said if you have two, then that prompts them into trying to flower and produce fruit. Who knows? I've got enough here to start a bloody plantation. (laughs) That's your next test. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, right now, at the moment, we're reading in the press how the restaurant and cafe sector is, you know, it's had a hard enough 20 months, but yes. Yes. but without providing any support, the government has panicked people yeah. and made them stop coming out. Yes, very um, much so. Now, I know you as a business have morphed, yep. changed... <coughs> evolved during the lockdown so what's your what have you done that's has been anything positive out of it uh yes i think if if i and and this is from a business point of view and from a the the life of the business owner's point of view uh before the first lockdown we were open seven days a week and it was i'm i'm sort of choosing my words carefully here but it was when you open seven days and you are, and it's your business, you are, whether you like it or not, on seven-day call-out. Yeah. And we were. And juggling a rotor to in, engage um, staff so that everybody got fair time off and everything else over a seven-day period was almost a full-time job in itself. And during that first lockdown, we looked at things and we thought, well, you know, if we... Um, closed for two days of the week and only open for five days, it would mean that we could actually uh, enjoy time out of work, but also it would be uh, more stable for our employees. And so that's what we did. And so we, we post 
the first lockdown, we came back uh, for five days a week, and we plan to continue doing that. And it's not actually affected the levels of business that we're doing. We're doing more business now than we were when we were open seven days a week. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that yeah. is interesting. Um, but on top of that, one of the things, I mean, uh, there's a bit of a... I came into uh, the cafe and was doing a lot of work during the first lockdown. And outside this area around Owengate and uh, North Bailey, it was like Chernobyl, in that if a herd of deer had come round the corner, I wouldn't have been surprised because there was nobody about. Now, I'd moved a camera down to uh, look at the, to focus on the doors, security cameras, so there's somebody trying to break in because we just didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah. Um, then at least I'd have a photograph of the perpetrator. It's motion activated, and there were two people an hour, something like that, nothing to speak of. And then I spoke to somebody in Dublin who said, we are doing fantastic business as a takeout. Now, we'd never done takeout business before. There'd never been any demand for it. And so um, I took on board what he said, but looking at the photographs of activity outside the door, there were no dog walkers. And then Dominic Cummings went to Barnard Castle. And it was as though somebody had opened a, um, a gate down in the market square. You are allowed out because people were saying, "Sod it! If I, if you know, if you can do that, so can we." And people were walking up and down all the time. So shortly after that, we opened for uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday takeouts, and what a great success that was! It was wonderful. It was really wonderful. It brought in a lot of new customers that hadn't been before largely because for, for much of the time we were the only cafe that was open. Uh, and uh, then after that, that first lockdown finished, the takeout take pretty much dropped off, but then it's come back again, and it now is, is probably... Uh, it's a significant percentage of the business that we do, sufficient to make, make it worthwhile carrying on and build the storage space for the materials. Um, what else has changed in terms of... I think, um, I think the big change is definitely going down to five days a week. Yeah. It means you, get, you come back fresh. Yeah. You come back fresh. And uh, people have said to us that what we now do is instead of... We just make sure we come on the days you're open. And it's wonderful. And you get... I mean, let's face it, you get amazing reviews on TripAdvisor and Facebook and... We're, we're very fortunate. We're very fortunate. But um, we're in a world where we live or die by our reviews, aren't we? The, yes, that's, that's true. I love that's, the noises in the background here. It's great. <laughs> I love the atmosphere. Uh, <laughs> funny enough, enough, somebody once said to me, you know, we want to open up a cafe. Um, we want to do what you're doing. What's the best thing we can do? And I actually said to them, come along with a recorder mm. and just record the ambient sound of the place. And then play it in your cafe when, it, even if it's empty, because it'll make it. You know, it, it just has that lovely buzz. And I think part of that, one of the things that um, we don't allow is we don't allow people to come in and work in here, because if you're going to come into the cafe, we want you to enjoy conversation, enjoy food, enjoy drink, and not sit and work. If you want to do that, go back to the office or go to your back bedroom or wherever it is you you do your work, but it's not in here. And that means that we've never been dominated by keyboard warriors sitting there just doing their work. One coffee and fill a table. Yeah. Um, And people, 
uh, I think this is a very important point for us. Our local support is very, very good. And a, a lot of people have remarked and said, it's because I'm not sitting next to somebody that's trying to do a thesis or whatever it might be. And so we don't provide Wi-Fi or anything that, of that nature. And I once, there, was, there was once, a, just next to where we're sitting now, Emma, there's a table of four. And I remember coming in one day and there were a family and it was mother and father and two daughters. One would have been, I guess, at university here, about 20, and a daughter of about 14. And the 14-year-old didn't have a phone and the other three were all sitting just looking at, staring at phones. And I did stop and say, wow, it's wonderful to see such great conversation going on amongst the family. And the parents looked up guiltily and the young daughter said, looked at me and said, thank you, thank you for that. Do you know what, in our family, it's our 12-year-old. And he'll be on his phone as well, but he's the one who'll stop and say, we're rubbish, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well yeah. done. Yeah, <laughs> yes, so it's, it's, it's great. It's do you lovely. know what, I could talk forever. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> we'll have too. to do episode two in the future. <laughs> <laughs> lovely talking to you. Pleasure. Thank you, Emma. Lovely to see you. In the Loop, the Durham podcast. Confessions of a sort of vaguely not green-fingered but would-like-to-be person. Um, I quite fancy the idea of growing my own avocado tree. I'm, and, and let's face it, you know, there is the ov- odd avocado and, and the stones just go in the, in the bin, so I might give it a go. Anyway, for information on Cathedral, including their opening hours, see our show notes and thanks to Mark Goff for the coffee and the company. Finally for today, more coffee. <laughs> it's time to explore with Alice. It is Alice Explores. Da, 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 or does she? Alice Explores. So the story is right now for Alice Explores, we're having a coffee. We are. How so nice. <laughs> There is nothing in the coffee other than the normal coffee kind of (laughs) stuff. So, Alice has been busy and had less time to explore. I haven't done any exploring. Well, because basically I've I've been camped up at Palace Green for the best part of a fortnight with the festival. So, which was lovely. So I got to, I got to do lots of exploring in the tent. So lots of, lots of lovely independent businesses there, which was absolutely wonderful. Um... But yes, I haven't I haven't done any exploring, but I am going to in the run up to finalising Christmas shopping and running all running in the around ra- in, over the place. In the run up to finalising, that sounds like so you haven't got to the run up to finalising it yet. <laughs> right, I've so to get where, most things, most where, things. Where is tempting you as far as Christmas shopping is concerned? I have to admit, I am going to have a look at Mugwam. Mm-hmm. On Sadler Street. On Sadler Street, because they always have such wonderful, um, wonderful gifts that are very unusual. I have to admit, I I walked past this morning mm-hmm. and was tempted, and very, I was very close to going in because they have. <laughs> I also was trying to work out how it was working. They have what I presume would be tea mm-hmm. light holders. Yes. That then have a little. Um, sort of fan thing that then oh, that turns round yes. and they're festive and I was like I, part of it was I've got something similar at home and I thought oh I could just have a whole load of them <laughs> and secondly I was like have they 
candles in their window. <laughs> no, they haven't. They've got some kind of say, health heat, and safety, health heating, and safety. heating bulb. But yes, they have the kind of window that tempts you in. It was I, when I was walking up, actually, I'm, I'm sure it was their window that I saw being created because up Sadler Street, there are some wonderfully festive windows at this time of year. Um, and Kemble, Kemble Art Gallery is another place that I will be going to on my exploring mission, um, who, again, have a lovely festive window. And, and you specifically want to go into Kemble to see? I do. I want to go and see um, manuscript maps, which are these beautiful hand-drawn maps um, which have, they could be as specific as you like. There's ones from Durham City, um, there's ones of Yorkshire, there's ones of um, sort of whiskey distilleries all over the UK, what, whatever whatever your fancy is. I have a feeling we, we have one of the, yeah, we do, we have the pubs of Durham one. Mm. And yeah. so I was, the, and they've got, um, they also have some, just some wonderful prints and glass of all sorts of different um, different artists as well. So that's in the Kemble Gallery. That's in the Kemble Gallery. So those two are the places that so, I'll be so exploring. You've put it in, it's, it's, it's fact now. You have recorded <laughs> where recorded, you are going. I have to go. You cannot get out of it. Go explore. Mm. We will hear back. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to In The Loop, the Durham podcast with me, Emma Hignett. The show notes have all the links from our guests in today's episode. Please help us spread the word. Subscribe to our podcast so you never miss another one. And if you have any ideas about what we should be talking about, who we should be talking to, then please make sure we know. If we should be talking to you, then email us and tell us. You can always email admin at totallylocallydurham.co.uk or, of course, message us via the Facebook page. And that is it for now. Merry Christmas. If you're listening to this before Christmas, we'll be back in January with another episode of In The Loop, the Durham podcast. You're locked in a strange room. Time is against you. You need to get out, and there's only one way to do it. Have you got what it takes to discover the clues, solve the puzzles, and escape before the clock runs out? Then step into Escape Rooms Durham and see if you can unravel the mystery of Mr. Borrowdale's study or steal the formula in the lab heist. Escape Rooms Durham is the perfect challenge for families, friends, colleagues and birthdays. Find out more at escapedurham.co.uk Then come and escape from Escape Rooms Durham on Sadler Street in Durham City Centre.